0: Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about our top 10 tools for building an authority business. Yes. Yes. This is always fun. (laughs)
1: well plus I like that I'm guessing from some of our offline conversations that the tools we use are different and we use them for kind of different things and in different ways so I think it'll it'll offer some choices for the audience
0: it's funny because in the past you've said oh here's how I handle this and I'm like "Oh, I handle that by just not doing it (laughs) So, (laughs) so yeah there's definitely there's definitely some overlap but I think different personality types will there'll be something here for everyone
1: exactly
0: All right, where should we start?
1: Well, I I think maybe we should start with email marketing because it feels like that's kind of fundamental to building authority. That's, I mean, we were talking about it, I I think it was on the last episode, we were talking about how critical it is to be able to use that in a number of different ways. It's the best.
0: Totally agree. It's very rare for me to say to someone like, yeah, you know what, in your situation, you don't need to do any email marketing. It's I've right. maybe said that once or <laughs> twice. I almost am like backpedaling even as I say it because it is hard to come up with a situation where you're trying to build some kind of business based on your authority or you're trying to build an audience or spread a big idea that doesn't include email. Like you need it.
1: Yeah. I can't imagine it without it.
0: Yeah. So, tools wise, I've, got a little bit of an interesting background here. I've tried only two of them, three of them. I've tried three MailChimp, Drip and ConvertKit now called something else. But also in client work, I built one. I didn't code it, but you know, managing the project and all that. And so I know from the inside, the complexities, the pros and cons, where it can fall down, uh, all of that stuff from sort of both sides of the fence. So I kind of want to start off by saying that of, of all of the Platforms on which you could spread your message, you know, think, say, social media, or blogging, or Medium, or Twitter, or LinkedIn articles, or all, you know, all those places. I think, all things considered, email is the best one. So, you want to do it because it just has a whole bunch of characteristics that are amazing. My favorite being that uh, you can't go back and edit them, so you have to continue moving forward. You can't obsess over an old one. You are in control of the platform to the extent that you can be compared to like medium or Facebook or something like that. It is this beautiful combination of broadcast and one-to-one. So you can send a broadcast, you you know, you can send a one-to-many message to hundreds of thousands of people, and then they can reply in a one-on-one basis. If you're looking to interact with your audience, it beats the pants off everything else I've tried.
1: There's an intimacy level with it, and especially if you write the emails a certain way, you can increase the intimacy because it feels like it was written just for them, Mm -hmm. even if it wasn't.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) There's the other aspect of email marketing, uh, these sort of email automation platforms. I use Drip, and it's not perfect. None of them are perfect. All of them from time to time will have deliverability problems or somebody else using the service does some bad behavior and the whole platform gets dinged, it happens. There are mitigation techniques you can use, you know, tell people to add to their address, but whatever. It's not perfect, but it's pretty great. And the way I use it is to just send broadcast emails. Probably 99% of my use of Drip is sending broadcast emails. But there's so many other things you can use it for. And some of the other things I use it for are follow-up sequences, like canned pre-written series of emails that someone will get after say they buy my book or something like that so they buy hourly billing is nuts they get added to the sequence the next day it says you know it's basically a thank you email please let me know if you have any questions the next one will be like oh if you have any trouble downloading some people on ios have a problem opening up the zip file a couple of emails that are just informative and helpful kind of customer service style things where i invite them to send me aha moments or tell me about things that they were just they read the book, it was confusing, Uh, they need to ask a question, just hit reply. And it goes straight to my personal email. Uh, And then at the end of that short sequence, maybe it's five emails, they'll say, hey, I do this daily broadcast, you know, you can click here to unsubscribe, otherwise you're gonna start getting uh, that sequence of emails. And there's like a little bit of an onboarding thing there where I kind of give them my greatest hits so they're up to speed with what's happening because when they get my first live email, it can be pretty random because they haven't (laughs) been, a lot of my emails are sort of an arc. So there's like a thread that's been happening for four or five, six days. And if you land on in the middle of like day four of an arc, it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So there's a little bit of an onboarding. So I do tiny bits of automation, not, not much. I used to do more. I didn't like it. Um, So they're just, just short sequences, but the platform is so powerful and flexible. And and all of the different, all of the different big ones integrate with all sorts of, things like Shopify or Send Owl or Gumroad and all these other tools are type forms. So you can create a system without being technical. You can create a system that kind of in many ways obviates the need for a lot of customer service types of interactions.
1: Yes, I've tried three of them. I started out way back in the day with constant contact. I spent most of my time with MailChimp and then switched last year to ConvertKit because I wanted the ability to tag And tagging made a huge difference for me. And all that means is that you can assign a word or a phrase to different people. So you could tag them because they clicked on something that you offered them, or you could tag them based on where they came from or how you met them or what they clicked on. But the big game changer for me was really using sequences in a different way. So what I do now is if somebody on my site wants to download one of the guides, that will start a sequence. And it's actually, Jonathan, you're going to die when you hear how long the sequence is. I just checked because I'm like, how many days is it exactly? It's a 155 day sequence. What? I know. Is that crazy? Yeah. But the, And I'm still experimenting with this. But the reason that I did that is because what I wanted to do is I wanted to give them a mini education, if you will, in the key. Points of building a brand for consulting. It's generally one a week, but there's a couple of points. I think it's three or four different points where I've got check-ins and odd days and things. But what I love about it is my unsubscribe rate is really low. The click rate is really high, which is sort of surprising because everything is in the email. You don't have to click on anything. You just read it. And then I start a dialogue with people one to one. I mean, really, they respond back. And of course, not everybody does. But the people that do, the, some of them tell me about like if I'm written about like writing your story, I've had people write back and tell me what their story is. So it's a way to teach. It, it's a way to learn about them. It's a way to connect. And um, so, yeah, 155 days. It sounds crazy, but I like it.
0: That's like three years if you're sending them weekly.
1: Oh, no, no. It's a whole, it's a lapsed time of 155 Okay. Okay. At the end, I do kind of what you do, which is I say, okay, now you've seen this. Now what you're going to do, unless you opt out here, is I'm going to go into my weekly email series with you. You know, I'm not designing the experience for them. It's based on what I'm posting that week.
0: Mm -hmm. It's so cool. It's great. It's a great way to repurpose content probably don't want to make the whole episode around email. So I'll just say maybe one last thing about it, which is that a lot of times when I introduce people to the concept of getting started with email, they are just like, Oh, I can never do that. I don't want to spam people. The hilarious thing about it is everybody who comes into my circle pretty much comes in from my daily list and like, well, do you think I'm spamming you? And they're like, well, no. And I email you every single day, sometimes twice. And they're like, yeah, but your emails are good. And I'm like, well, make yours good. <laughs> so Touché. yeah, right. So people do not mind getting good emails. They mind bad emails. Just make sure that you're writing good emails and people will, people will email you if you miss a day or if one of them goes into their spam box because you put a swear in it or something.
1: Oh, we'd never do that. <laughs>
0: So what other tools should we talk about? I could probably list tools all day long.
1: Well, what about a contact system? And, you know, maybe that's pushing it. I mean, if if you've got somebody who's consulting and they're doing three assignments a year, the contact system could be really simple. But for some that are reaching out, I think how you keep track of your leads, um, your prospects and your clients can impact how quickly you grow your business.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't do that. So, I mean, I don't do that in one particular system. So what do you use for that?
1: Well, interestingly, I don't either. <laughs> and I will say if I did, I would probably use Salesforce just because everything integrates with it and it's simple. It's not cheap for a one or two person business, but I'd probably use that. I used it in another life, but I create my own system. I keep my contacts and this is gonna sound so boring, in Apple Contacts, whenever I have a call with anybody, I actually hand write notes because I find retention is better and it's not distracting to the person to hear me typing. I want them to feel I'm listening. And then I scan my notes and I put them in, a, in an electronic file. And then if there's a tickler item with it, I just put it in my calendar, type it in there. So every day I look and see, is there something I'm supposed to follow up on today? It works for me um, because there's not that many calls that I'm making. I'm managing a few handfuls at any given time, which I feel is I can handle that without a a separate system.
0: Oh, funny. So we basically do the same thing, which is (laughs) uh, I am a huge fan of capturing notes on paper. I have a fountain pen that I'm in love with. I can't write with anything else. When I'm having a phone call, I'm taking notes physically like that. I've tried a million other digital things. None of them work for me. When I'm done, I take a picture of the pages that I just wrote and I upload them to Google Keep, but you could use Evernote or a million other things. And they're tagged with whoever I was talking to or maybe uh, particular points. And if there's any to-dos, I put them where they should go. So if there's a date associated with the do, just like you, I put it directly in my calendar as if it's an appointment. And if it's just a general thing that needs to get done at some point, like, I don't know, schedule somebody to come clean out the chimney, then that'll just, (laughs) that goes in a general to-do file, which, which I use, remember the milk, but you could use anything. What do you use to keep track of sort of non-appointment related to-dos?
1: Oh, you're going to hate this. I do use notes in my phone, Apple notes to some extent, more like for a grocery list, but for everything else, I use post-it
0: notes. Oh, wow.
1: Because then if there's this thing, I know I sound like such a nerd, there is this thing with either being able to throw away a note or cross something off my list. I am very visual. I need to see it. So, yeah, I know I'm admitting this. I feel like I've just admitted a terrible sin in public. (laughs) But some you'll you'll see on my on my computer, the separate monitor that I have, I usually have one sticky note. And I'll have five things on it. Because my rule is I I don't want more than five projects at a time. And I'm not talking about client projects. I'm talking about like big overarching things. And I'll keep five things. So I'm always looking at them. And every day I'm asking myself, what have I done on this project? Typically, I've broken it down into pieces and put it in my calendar. But I just like that reminder.
0: One thing occurred to me while we were talking About CRMs, I I have used Streak for uh, short periods of time when I did have an active campaign where I was really doing outreach. I needed to like keep track of you know because people call back and I'm like, wait a second, who is this? It can be very embarrassing. So I I used Streak CRM, which is basically a it's kind of I, I guess the term is a plugin or it basically plugs into your Gmail inbox and it customizes it in a way that kind of adds a spreadsheet slash database to your inbox so you can track follow-up dates and um, you can tag people you can lump them into the phase of the funnel that they're in so you know like lead prospect you know sales call scheduled sales call executed stuff like that it's cool and it works but i don't have that much volume all the time for it to make sense i eventually uninstalled it there's another one called Pipe Drive that a lot of people use that I have never used, but it's very popular with people who do this every day.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where you really have to match this to how you work. And I mean, the thought of investing and I'm not even talking about the money, I'm talking about the time in learning like a Salesforce type application. If you're not constantly generating leads and responding, I mean, it just would boggle the
0: mind. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You wouldn't be able to do it. You'd just get lost.
1: Or it would be a rabbit hole that somebody got really excited about.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that too. I'm so organized.
1: Yeah, but nobody's returning my calls. Right.
0: Speaking of calls, what do you use for communication platform type stuff? So there's a whole bunch of stuff could be happening here. So like if I know that you prefer audio calls versus video calls. Is that just a landline, your cell phone? Do you use Zoom, Skype?
1: I let the prospective client guide what the first communication platform is. So when they schedule an appointment, which is sort of another topic on my calendar software, I tell them either Skype or a phone call. And I actually don't have a landline. I have my mobile phone and we have a household internet phone that I use sometimes to make outbound calls just to make sure that we've got the decent volume and connectivity and all that. Now it's interesting and I know we differ in this. I've been experimenting with Twist, which is sort of a quieter version of Slack. My VA and I are using it and it's still an experiment, but we're I think we're 5 months into it now, so I think it's probably going to be permanent. And what we do with that is we have separate sections on different things. So we'll have a section on every week I have a blog post, and so I have some tweets that go with that. So we have one line where we put the tweets in. So if she knows to look for them. If they're not there, she'll ask me for them. Same thing with the podcast production schedule. There are things we do with that. And then there's stuff with the website or something that's specific to a client where we're working on website design and copy. And right now it's just the two of us, but I think uh, we may add – either the technology or design people in on future projects. I think that's still up in the air and I'm going to ask my VA what she thinks about that.
0: Hmm. That's cool. That's,
1: that's what we tend to use. How about you?
0: Uh, Definitely Slack. So I use it for client communications. I use it for membership communities. I've got three different membership communities in Slack, paid membership communities in Slack, and then I'm in two or three, three masterminds on top of that all in slack which the beauty of that is that it allows me to ignore my email inbox for any kind of customer slash client communications so i just don't have to check it on a regular basis which means that i don't get sucked into it so yeah i use slack in a variety of different ways and have set up a few different kinds of integrations like you said with salesforce the cool thing about slack is at this point pretty much everybody integrates with it somehow so you can do a lot of really interesting things in there. To your point, it can get a little noisy, especially with really big rooms. But that's one of those things where you set up policies and you just set expectations and you, it, it's manageable. There are ways to, to deal with different anywhere from just a two person room like you and I are in for the podcast, which is pretty quiet versus something like I've got 120 people in the pricing seminar and they're like, I don't know, we probably have. 40 channels at this point, which are like individual topic based rooms. It's manageable. If you put some guidelines in place, it's really not a, not a problem.
1: Well, let me interject for a second here. I know I'm trying to remember the guy's name and I can't, but he used to write a lot for medium and he described how he set up his marketing agency. And I think they were a content marketing agency. And I remember he had two products, if you will. One was Fifteen hundred dollars, and one was five thousand dollars a month. And when they set the client up, they said, "You will be in Slack, no email communications ever." And they just had two price points, and it was very clear what you got for each price point. And I, I remember thinking, how genius! It's challenging in real life to have everybody use Slack because there's a lot of people that will run kicking and screaming. And you just have to say, you know what, those are not my clients. But the simplicity that he used, I thought that was genius.
0: When you said like, oh, I'll let the client set the communication platform, I like cringed. I have one student who is very anti-Google in general, internet hippie kind of guy. (laughs) 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 Hey, Lo, I know you're listening. And so I was like, okay, well, what would you use that has these features? And it's interesting because... I, you know, learning new platform, I'm familiar with this new thing, but it's a lot more work to just, just have these two different things. Like instead of using Google docs, we're using LibreOffice, and it's kind of interesting, but I wouldn't do it again.
1: Well, I give people choices. I give them choices. So it's, it's Skype or it's a phone call. And I have one client that immediately said zoom, but I'm familiar with zoom. It was no big deal. I'm like, fine, we'll do it on zoom. And he likes to record the calls to refer to later. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm fine with that. But, yeah, I'm not going to learn a whole new platform for one client. That's right. not going to happen.
0: Right. Yeah, it was an interesting experiment. So it's fine. Uh, but I wouldn't do it again. Certainly, I wouldn't do it with another platform. But since you mentioned Zoom, let's talk about Zoom for a second. Because that one of my sort of friends who are similar to me, who have businesses that are similar to me, a lot of them are using Zoom. In the last year or so, it's been coming up more and more and more as basically a replacement for what a lot of people like us use skype for so it's it really seems like microsoft's pushing skype into a slack direction and uh, zoom is definitely not doing that zoom is like video conferencing audio it's a conference call platform basically like everything else it's not perfect but it does support multiple callers and recording and you can Uh, even set it up to record multiple callers on individual tracks that are stored locally on the host's computer, which is what we have kind of landed on for when we have guests, because there are other other platforms recording multi-track and they're just, none of them are fully baked in my opinion. So Zoom is like this really, it's really easy to have people join the call. I mean, it's conference call stuff. I really like it all the way around. For for that kind of thing, when you're going to have three or more people, you know, you can do that in Slack, but that's more for people who are already who are in some sort of financial relationship with you. So I use Slack for calls, screen sharing, all of that stuff for people that are paid customers, basically. That's where we do that. But if I'm doing like podcasts where it's not a paid thing or some kind of some kind of ask me anything or Anything like that, Zoom is really good because you can just send somebody a link or they can call in on a regular phone. So it's really good flexibility for people who are less tech savvy or just irritated by all that. My only complaint about Zoom really is that it's so incredibly configurable that it's confusing. So if you're doing anything other than the basic default setup, you really have to read, test, make sure you've got your configuration set up properly to make sure that your call gets recorded where in the way that you want it and that kind of thing is really good. I'm, I know I'm going to be using it more and more.
1: I found it really easy to use. I've not used it in any sort of a power way. The next time I run my course, we'll probably do the calls in Zoom. I like it for that reason. I'm glad you brought it up.
0: There's a similar thing. Sort of thing called Crowdcast that I use that is so the difference between Zoom and Crowdcast, there are many differences, but conceptually the difference is that in Zoom, everybody, by default, everybody's sitting in a room and anybody can talk. And in Crowdcast, you're basically giving a webinar and there's like a chat room happening and you can pull people on screen, but sort of by default, the host is the only one you're going to see unless... You figure out what you're doing you want to invite people on screen with you and the thing that i really love about crowdcast is there is a dedicated area in the interface where people can post questions other participants can vote them up or down for a q a platform it's amazing because people can post questions you see which ones get voted up to the top you can answer them and you can click a button before you start answering it to timestamp the recording so after the fact all of the answers are timestamped to the questions. So on playback, people can come in and just jump to the question they, they want to hear the answer to. It's a lot easier to jump around. It's not just this giant video recording of like an hour long uh, conference call.
1: I, I love that. I, I'm doing a Crowdcast as a guest next month. So it'll be my first experience with it. And I just, I love that. The most popular questions get bumped to the top, which is what you want to do as a, as a speaker. Or as a teacher.
0: Yep, absolutely. I really like it. Cool. Um, let's talk about taking payment. That's a whole ah. yeah, that's a <laughs> whole area.
1: Oh boy. Well, and it ties into you know your accounting and bookkeeping too. What I use online is Braintree. I switched to them from some god-awful system that nobody would ever want to know, which was a bank-derived system that kept giving me a surprise bill every month um, that seemed to have no relation to what was actually charged. Braintree, I forget the exact formula, but it's a straight percentage. It's not quite 3%. I think it's 2.9 or 2.8, something like that. And they also transfer money the fastest of anybody I've seen. I usually have the funds in, in three business days, unlike, say, Stripe. Although I do take Stripe for my course, because it's what's programmed into the platform that I use with clients where they're paying fees, then I use FreshBooks. And so I send them the invoice via FreshBooks and then they can pay through their credit card. But again, that's with Braintree. I believe that Stripe is the main uh, payment system of FreshBooks and I choose not to use that.
0: So you can select which one.
1: Well, yeah, you have to, you know, you have to do your own programming, et cetera, but yeah, you can use your own.
0: Mm, cool. I don't know if it matters to you. It sounds like you're happy with Braintree, but I use Stripe for the back end piece of all payments and the transfers are a day or two tops. So it's pretty quick.
1: That's that Really? Because I, I've had 10 day payments with Stripe and Thinkific. And I was just appalled by them having my money for 10 days. Yeah, that's
0: ridiculous. No, that that would make me change, but it's not like that now. I wonder if it was maybe international or something.
1: Or think-ific.
0: could Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I have seen that. I have heard uh, instances of a you know, gum road really delaying payments, but I don't think the transfer, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. But I, I use Stripe for everything and I haven't had a problem with it. Knock on wood. I've used PayPal, which has been disastrous. That's for consumer to consumer. That's not a professional platform in my opinion. I haven't looked at it in a while. They probably made some changes, but I'm just not a fan, Uh, which is problematic for folks who are listening from outside the US because Stripe is pretty limited where as a recipient, it's pretty limited where you can use it, like what countries you're allowed to receive funds through Stripe. Anybody can use it to pay as long as they have a credit card, which is also a problem in some cases. So for client work, so consulting client work a lot of clients would just want to send me a check because the amounts were better they weren't going to put it on a credit card and it would just be weird i'd either get wired the money or they'd send me a physical check but for things lower than that things that were going to transact online i use a couple different things uh, for pure info products that have a download associated with them like uh, an ebook or something like that i use send owl which integrates with in my case with stripe and it is the kind of thing where you can embed a checkout form anywhere on your website very easily there are tons of different ones of these send was the one that for me was the i like utilitarian software i like stuff to be very simple i don't like a lot of options i just want the one that does exactly what i want and doesn't do a lot of stuff i don't care about and for me that was send Their design leaves a bit to be desired, but I don't care about that. Just visually, it's not pretty, but if you go in there, it does exactly what I want, which is, it's very PayPal-like in which you can put a button on your website. They can either click it to immediately be, immediately check out for that one product, or you can create a cart where they can add a couple of things to to their cart and then check out all at once. And it integrates with a bunch of different things like Drip, for example, as does Crowdcast. Crowdcast also integrates with Drip. So when somebody views a webinar replay, they'll get tagged in Drip. If somebody buys something from me through Sendel, they get tagged in Drip. I use Sendel for any one-off info product type purchases, anything that's recurring, or in cases where I did have a consulting client that wanted to just send me five thousand bucks or something like that, I use Moonclerk. There are two differences there. For one-off payments, Moonclerk just has a much more attractive interface for the buyer. You know, if I'm sending sort of professional business person a checkout form, I want it to look nice and Moonclerk looks really nice. So for one time purchases for someone who I'm who I need to impress, basically uh, for higher ticket things where they're not going to send a check, I would create a form for them in Moonclerk. It's exactly what you do in FreshBooks. I just don't use FreshBooks. But mostly what I use Moonclerk for is any recurring payments. So like my group coaching is a monthly fee so people can come and sign up and it supports all the coupons, like one time or forever type coupons. And every month it just repeats the billing and it sends the funds into Stripe. They automatically send out notifications to the people with the, the, the buyers like, oh, your credit card's going to expire or whatever. And it just manages a whole bunch of that stuff Automatically which is fabulous
1: Well, and there's a point I want to make here that's sort of strategic which is accepting credit cards is Important and one of the reasons for that is that it it's a trust barrier In other words, there's if you think about it if you put yourself in the buying position It feels better to know that you have if you're unhappy You have a way to deal with that right you can go to your credit card company and say now this this was a, a bad deal and i was shocked when i first started taking credit cards maybe 8 years ago something like that i was shocked i, I to this day i have every single client except one pays by credit card Every single one. Knock on wood, I've never had a return. I'm not saying that won't happen, but I haven't had one yet. And I've asked people about it, and it's when they first start working with you, it feels more comfortable than sending somebody a check.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you yeah. have some recourse.
1: One of the reasons I like to use fresh books for all this is because I really don't want to spend time or a lot of money on the bookkeeping end of this. And what I love, because I can't write software, is that it all flows through the chart of accounts and creates the reports that we need. I use my VA to make sure everything's categorized correctly and the CPA reviews it, but it makes everything automated. And so at any given point, I can look up and see, what's my year look like? What are my expenses doing? Am I on the right curve? What's going to happen? Have I set aside enough money for taxes? All of those things, I can make a few clicks and I have those answers.
0: Mm, nice. I have someone do that, all that stuff for me. So, and, and they don't use FreshBooks. So I, I even asked to, because I was using QuickBooks online for that stuff, and it, which I just, I just never, never liked it. I used to use the desktop quickbooks app which i didn't mind but they phased that out for the mac and they were trying to push everybody to the online one and i just didn't i just hated it so i was like take all of this over for me use whatever you want so i don't even know what they're using now but you don't care no i don't care no they just they just do it every once in a while i'll get like a a spreadsheet from them that'll be like what are what how should we categorize these and i'll say you know x y and z send it back to them and then they just do the taxes at the end of the year it's definitely not cheap.
1: Right. I pay very little in bookkeeping. And of course, you know, I pay the accounting fees. But I, I had originally done this when I switched accountants. And she said, OK, but you have to have a system. I don't want a spreadsheet. I don't want a pile of paper. You have to have a system and it has to have these characteristics. And I actually really appreciated that. And I changed. Cool. Yeah.
0: What What other aspects or tools do we use on a daily basis?
1: Well, I'll tell you, game changer for me was when I changed my calendar management and about a year ago, and I I chose Calendly. The setup takes a little bit of work and you have to kind of start to think about it, especially if you have meetings in person where you have to add travel time in to to really manage your calendar. But once you set it up, oh my God, I, I love it because it's not unusual for me. It's not I don't just meet with clients. I may, like on one client, I work with a PR team and the PR team sets all kinds of media things. And so I don't wanna have to go back and forth about calendar availability. I just send them the link and I've put the boundaries around it. So I know when I send it to them that it's for media or I know that it's for a new client or I know that it's for the initial meeting, the initial brand brief meeting. You know, it needs to be a certain length and boom, the clients schedule the meetings based on their convenience. Right. I love it. Yep. I love it. Yeah, I, I use Calendly
0: it. too. It's it's a huge, it probably feels like it's saving more work than it really is because that back and forth over email to schedule stuff feels so painful. Uh, it's just up in the air and you're like back and forth and you're crafting these emails and trying to be polite and like every. It's like, oh man. Uh, so yeah, just like you said, Calendly is amazing. You can add buffer time around kinds of appointments so that you've got travel or if you've got, you know, maybe, you know, whatever, 15 to 30 minutes after a meeting where you know you're going to take five pages of notes that you can kind of post-process the notes and put together your, your findings, your recommendations or whatever while it's still fresh. It's amazing. And they recently added some features where you can paywall a particular type of meeting so you, that you can actually have a pay now to schedule a particular kind of meeting. And, and I believe that's also a Stripe integration.
1: I actually, I'm, I'm using that one. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. There's There are other ones. I think schedule once is another one. And there's some other one these these calendar types of things. But again, for me, the interface that the person I'm sending the link to really matters to me. Like, I don't care about the administrative interface that much, but it's also nice. But it's important to me that the link I'm sending to someone, when they click on it, it's going to look professional and well-designed, which... I, th- I think Calendly, hands down, has that nailed versus some of the other ones.
1: Yeah. And especially if you're a single host podcast host, because you can send this out and you can include the things that you need to or want to include when you're scheduling your guests. So it's even better for things like that. And of course, you can put multiple calendars together if you know if you want to really go whole hog.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. I, I love it. The only problem I've ever had with it is when I forget to block out stuff in my calendar, like uh, a U.S. holiday, for example. And yes. then someone from Europe will book an appointment with me on Labor Day or something like that, which happens like every single time <laughs> so that I forget to do it.
1: I did that my first shot out, although we were both Americans, so we had no excuse. It just was one of those odd holidays, you know, a Monday holiday we weren't thinking about. So, yeah. Yeah. So th- you have to sort of protect yourself from yourself. But what I like about it, in addition to all that, though, is for me, it gives me sort of an institutional way to protect certain parts of the day or the week. So uh, for example, I've talked before about how I write my blogs typically on Monday morning, I do not want to do calls with people that aren't essential on Monday morning, client emergency, something happens fine, but I don't want to schedule so I can I always block off Monday morning as an example. And again, mornings are my primary creative strategy time. So I really would rather do calls in the afternoon if I can get away with it. But when you're on the West Coast, it's harder to do that. So I just love that it's a tool that helps you manage your time. Priceless. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what I'm thinking we should talk about next is um, I-, I call it the sanity bucket. We're professionals. We serve clients. We have this big idea. We're trying to spread and connect with people. We have to stay sane in the process. So what do you do to stay sane?
0: Woof, um, <laughs> that's a big one. <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind, or perhaps the biggest thing I did to keep myself sane was extract myself from my email inbox. Like getting out of my email inbox solves a million problems. So like you have to go in there if if you're getting potentially urgent client communications in your email inbox you have to check it a lot and if you're checking it a lot and there are no urgent communications from your clients well while i'm here i'll read a couple of these you know oh seth godin's email came in let me read that or like and all of a sudden you're like doing this it it just pulls you off of the important things that you need to do in a given day and it's a time suck. You know, you're just like, oh, man, I just wasted 15 minutes by accident. So since I don't have to go in there on a regular basis, when I do go in there, I can triage that thing in 30 seconds. Boom, 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 boom. Learned all the keyboard commands. Can go down, archive stuff that I know I don't need to read. What is it? David Allen getting things done approach where I blast through. I take one blast through the inbox. I'll have 75 emails in there. Blast through archive more than half of them probably like non-important emails then i'll go through and be like these might be important emails look at it real quick can i answer this right now if so yes if i can't answer this in under a minute i'll make a to-do out of it or now gmail has a new feature where you can have it uh, you can snooze an email so if you say uh, i don't need to deal with this right now but it's going to take me more than a minute i just snooze it for a day and move on to the next one answer you know oh thanks for your note i'll check it out Archive, archive, archive. I can blast through 75 emails in no time flat. I'm like inbox zero almost every day. Not having to go in your email and just checking it once a day and blasting through it and getting really good at that is that keeps me productive. So I don't know if that keeps me sane, but it feels like it keeps me sane. (laughs) The other problem with email is when you do get an urgent client communication in there and you've got this really long thread and you're trying to understand it and it's there's the latency back and forth when sending email. It can be really weird. It's not real time, but some people treat it like it's real time. So when you do have important threads, they are buried. So it's a terrible place to have important information. Uh, for a long time, I used Basecamp to keep track of that stuff, but now it's more happening in Slack with a combination of Slack and Trello. So anything that needs to be turned into a to-do and put into a, a process, a multi-stage sort of project sort of process will go into trello which i don't love but a lot of everybody uses it so it's fine that's the number one thing and then obviously boundaries i mean but that's not a tool (laughs) boundaries is a big one
1: well i don't know i think that is a tool don't you think i mean it's i agree and it's it's the one we can control
0: okay so how would you how would you toolify that though so i was picturing tools (laughs) as like boundary things i do are um i have I think all of my digital products and membership sorts of things I've got onboarding, welcome emails, I've got onboarding sequences that that either go out via email or in Slack. I've got code of conduct for my Slack rooms. So people, when they join, the first thing they have to do is read the code of conduct. So everybody knows sort of like what's expected behavior wise. And it just makes things, makes things easier. Um, when I take on a new coaching client, I have a list, a sort of standard operating procedure for the kickoff call where I explain where the boundaries are. I expect certain things uh, or you can expect certain things, kind of set the expectations. And it's mostly about response time and where to put what kind of content and that sort of thing. But having those uh, SOPs, I've got another one for group coaching. I've got another one for running uh, webinars where it's just this this to-do list. It's like a Plain old text document that I keep in Sublime Text or whatever, it's just text, and I just run down it. That definitely contributes to keeping me sane because I don't have to think about this thing that I do over and over. It's just like, just do it.
1: And the boundary issue can look a lot of different ways. And I would say to our listeners that if you're new at Doing and creating and building an authority business, then take a good look at at boundaries at the beginning. And if you've been doing this for a while and you feel insane about some of this stuff, then it might be a boundary issue. And it could be as simple as shutting off your email on the weekends or allowing yourself time in the morning to be creative or time in the evening. I mean, Jonathan, you're the night owl, I'm the morning person. Our clocks are opposite, but feed your clock. Pick the time that's going to work for you and protect that and protect the work that you do that's not urgent but is important.
0: My calendar is, is sacred, even more so than my to-dos. If it's on my calendar, it's really important. If somebody is sort of encroaching on me, you know, someone is like texting me like crazy in Slack or something like that, I'll feel it because they're pushing me into my next appointment sort of thing. And again, I've set the expectation early on, like, okay, here's what the interaction's going to look like. Here's what to expect. If if that sounds bad, you can have your money back, but I think it'll be fine for everyone. Then yeah, I would say, remember when I said, like whatever, remember when I said there should be no need to email me or or, sorry, not email me, but uh, message me this often, or I've never really had to do that though but it's, do, you do sometimes have a call that's going long and it's going to bump up against your next appointment. And you just, I mean, I, I would say in that scenario you need to respect the, the schedule to the extent that you can. It's kind of hard to say, but you just need to be conscious of it. Like you, you don't want to be bumping your whole calendar out like 15 minutes every time somebody talks too long on a phone call. So if there's a skill there, it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe learning how to wrap a call. And just be like, okay, this is all great information. Um, I have to I've got a hard stop in five minutes. So what's the key point that you want to get answered or or key point that you're trying to make here? And then uh, we can follow up after.
1: We're professionals and professionals start calls on time and we end them in in the right way. Otherwise, it throws your whole day off and you're you're being rude to the person who has an appointment after this one.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to it.
1: When I think of sanity, I, I think and it, this is still experimental, but I I purchased Sane Box and actually after listening or reading Jill Conrad's book, I thought, oh, I'm going to give that a try. And at first I loved it. And then I wasn't as sure, because what happens, and the only person I have to blame is myself, because you set up where your emails are going to go. You train them to go into these different sub boxes. But, so what happened is I'd wake up in the morning and check email, and whereas before I might have 50 emails, now I might have six and it, I was like, where did Now
0: you're nervous, right? Yeah. You don't trust so they, it. <laughs> they
1: go into these other folders and I'm convinced somehow something got in them. And so I'm checking all those. And then after I used it for a while, I'm like, OK. So there were a few I had to retrain just because one message from somebody wasn't important didn't mean the next one wasn't. But what I love about it is I have a reading list and everything goes in there. Um, like the Seth Godin stuff, anything that I read on a regular basis. And I love that because it doesn't distract me. And when it's in there, the number of messages, and it might be 10 or 20 at any given point, don't appear on the little circle on my mail icon. Right. Yeah, that's
0: critical. (laughs) That sounds stupid, but it's critical.
1: It's, it does sound stupid, but I mean, I guess, you know, I need that. And so I find it really helpful.
0: Yeah, that's normal. Like I used inbox zero, which is now owned by Boomerang to make that red bubble go away. It didn't categorize anything for me because I tried SaneBox and had the same reaction you did. Like I didn't trust it. So I used inbox zero, which just takes everything, skips the inbox and then at five o'clock or on whatever schedule you want, it, it drops it all in at once. So you weren't getting distracted with notifications across, you know, with me, I'd have like two phones, a laptop, and everything was beeping, you know, an Apple Watch. like Ding, oh. ding, 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 constantly. Oh, no, 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 So I would turn off notifications, but then you get a new device and they're automatically on or you update the software and the notifications come back on. It's just, it's just forever and ever. So using inbox zero cuts it off at the source because nothing's going into your inbox. It's going into a temporary folder and then it gets put in your inbox all at once.
1: I don't like that because I have to be open for media calls.
0: Well, that's the thing with
1: clients. So I I have to have like an ear open.
0: That's why Slack is good for me. So, yeah. Yeah. No,
1: I think I think your Slack solution is, is a great
0: one. Right. And it doesn't even have to be Slack. It could be, hey, if something's urgent, text me. For a long time, when I was making the switch, the bottom of my email said I only check email once a day. So if this is urgent, text me at this number. Mm-hmm.
1: I like text for urgent things, but I you can't save the stuff that's in a text.
0: Well, that's easily. the beauty of it to me, is like it has to be short. <laughs>
1: Well, it's true. If there is important information, then I have to do something to get it into a place where I can access it. So even with twist, which is a slack like vehicle, it's just a little quieter. Even with that, you still get an email telling you that somebody sent you something in there. Some of these things can feel like more work at first. But what I love is I can find the thread. And I can go back and say, ooh, did I tweet that already? Did I do that? And it's easy to check the thread. In email, I would never find it.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right.
1: Never in a million years. You know, the other thing for sanity, and it's, you know, it's different for everybody, but there's got to be something, and I think it's a tool, it's called movement. And I don't care if it's, you know, Jonathan does karate. I do my workouts in the morning. I walk the dog. But it's just, it's getting up off your butt and actually moving in some way, yoga, walking, listening to music and walking, just moving. For me, that keeps my sanity. <laughs> I think I maybe I have a little too much energy. And if I'm sitting here too long, it's like it's bubbling up. It needs to go somewhere, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. I've probably mentioned this before, but there's an app for iOS called Productive. Um, there are other apps for other platforms. I use Remember the Milk now that I'm on Android. It has daily to-dos where you can put things in there that you want to make sure that you do every day. Things you can't cram for the exam on. Two of the things I have on that list, two, three of the things I have on that list are movement related things. Every day I'm going to have this like outstanding to-do that I need to stretch. I need to practice my forms, practice my defenses. And those are very physical things. So it just automatically happens. And once you have a streak going on a with an app or a tool like that, it's addictive. So back to the bigger picture, if you have things that you know you should be doing every day, like, oh, I don't know, blogging or marketing or uh, connecting with people or whatever it might be to grow your business, whether it's stretching or growing your business, if there are these things that you know that you should be doing every day, you can get a, there's a a whole bunch of tools that you can get to kind of encourage you to do the right thing every single day. So that's another one.
1: In our future episode, we'll have James Clear to talk about habits and how to set yourself up for success with some of these things. I think it's critical.
0: Yes, that'll be coming up soon, actually.
1: Yes, next month. Mm
0: -hmm. He's the habits master, building daily habits. Very good stuff. Cool. All right. We should probably stick a fork in it at this point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'll say no more on that.
0: (laughs) All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Michelle Moulton.
0: And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye.
1: Bye Bye-bye.